With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome back to another episode of Open Floor, filling in for your host, Michael the Pod Pina. I'm Rohan Nakrani, and I'm joined today by Sports Illustrated senior writer, New York Times best-selling author, probably find his heart somewhere lost in Nevada. Please welcome Chris Herring. Herring, what's going on, buddy? I'm good. How are you, my friend? It's good to talk with you. Great to catch up with you, man. I'm doing well. I'm so excited to do this podcast. I feel like they finally got the two serious hosts on the show, you know. <laughs> do you do you want to do the Everything We Hate About Boston episode now? Do you want to save it? <laughs> I, I would rather save this for a three-man pod with Michael <laughs> so that he can hear how much we dislike yeah. Boston. Just when he <laughs> comes back, it's an intervention. Like, yeah. I could start... The Boston complaints can start from even just getting into the city and how expensive the hotels are. <laughs> I've got so many things on my list where I'm like, Boston this and Boston that. But <laughs> I've never shared them with Michael because I I just want to be able to vent um, on my own. So it'll be nice having him on the pod to vent with him there as well. All right. Perfect. All right. We can save that for him. Uh, Chris, it's the off season. I'm not going to lie. We're, we're hitting that point now where there just there are not a lot of NBA storylines, even with the Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell trade requests kind of hanging in the air. We haven't had much updates on what's going on with them recently. We did get just the smallest trickle of news that I thought uh, maybe I would I would talk to you about. Uh, the Spurs uh, extending Keldon Johnson four-year, $80 million contract. This actually caught me off of guard a little bit, only because I felt like they were headed for a full-scale tank here, and he's someone who maybe helped them with that. Did you have any reaction to this news whatsoever? Um, it it was not that surprised. Like, the, I was surprised the number was that high, um, mm-hmm. but not surprised that they kept him or that they wanted to extend him. To me, the difference was 
DeJounte Murray being a little bit older, I mean, you're in trouble if a 25-year-old wanting to re-up for big money is like a, a problem timeline-wise. Because mm-hmm. 25 is not that old. Obviously, it's like going into his prime. But he was going to want, I would assume, max money. Max money for someone that far along in their career is different than four years, 20 million. Like that, mm-hmm. we're talking about like Zach Levine money from his last contract. Um, Keldon Johnson's really talented. He's he's three years younger than DeJounte. I don't know down to the day how much younger mm-hmm. he is, but he's 22. DeJounte's 25. Um, so it's probably not a completely different timeline, but it's a different, it's different. Um, and it's not someone that you're going to have to shell out the max to. Mm-hmm. You do want to still hang on to guys that you feel like can be part of the future without completely breaking the bank for someone. And, and I, let's be, let's be real. Like DeJounte is worthy of a max deal, but I think it's fair to wonder, like if you give him one, where does that put you? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How much does that change you? How, how much better does it make you for where they are right now? I don't think Heldon Johnson's deal really puts that question into play. So it wasn't terribly surprising to me. It makes sense. Um, he's really, really talented. It seems like he can do a little bit of everything and still has plenty of room to grow. Um, and it's really clear that the Spurs really like him. So it, it made sense. Did it, you know, is it something that you would have done? Is it something that you were happy to see? I'm definitely happy to see it. And I really like him. I, I, I'm glad they kept him. I, I went on the spot. I, I, it still makes me sad that the Spurs felt that they had to trade DeJounte, you know, and I, I get it. I understand all that comes to the rebuilding, et cetera. I really like him. He had a game, I think it was against the Lakers uh, this season, a little bit later in the season. Keldon, he was just hitting every shot. I think he was like perfect from three for something. It was just some kind of crazy game. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I, I am glad they kept him. I think all the things you said make sense. Like you still have to pay someone. Uh, he's he's going to be a good complimentary piece, no matter kind of what team you build. Um, so it makes sense to lock him in. Like you said, he's not someone who, at the end of this contract, you have to worry about giving a max to, et cetera. He can fit in around that kind of number one guy you find. So I, I, I'm glad it happened. It's just it's just kind of funny to see something like that when you have a team that yeah. I think we're about to have kind of a crazy tank off this year. I think this is going to be a serious have, have nots. I don't think there's going to be a middle class in the league this year. I think mm. it's going to be teams that are trying to win seriously and teams that are like trying to get Wembenyama. And it's and it's it's interesting too, just because I mean, not that it matters now, but like mm-hmm. if you look at the people the Spurs have had just pretty recently, mm-hmm. um, obviously Dejounte. You know, we're talking about Keldon Johnson. We watched Derek White make a really really big impact. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, like I'm, we talk about guys that we're surprised they're still in a Spurs uniform given what they're doing. Pirtle is there, like you know, a, a guy that could start for a lot of teams, and if not start, be like one of the best backups in the league for most other teams. Um, and analytically sound as mm. as they come, you know, really good at verticality. It's interesting just to see like they. It, it's not like championship talent, mm-hmm. but it's you, you could make the playoffs with that team. Uh, yeah. You know, and so that I think that's where it gets interesting is how much of a difference does DeJounte Murray make with that team at this moment? And, you know, maybe why it's not totally, totally surprising that he's going elsewhere. It was interesting, by the way, like he tweeted and he basically said something about being free 
Um, and I was like, damn, G, like, <laughs> was it that bad down there? Like, the fans, I think, were pretty solidly behind him, yeah. uh, especially after his injury and everything. Like, I think the fans there very much appreciate, um, you know, especially after the Kawhi stuff, someone that comes back from injury plays as well as he did, you know, one of the best triple-double guys in the league, um, a well-rounded player. So it was a little bit weird. Like, I'm yeah. sure he was happy to be going to a situation where he feels like he can win more and, right. you know, and maybe a bigger market. But it was, you know, I saw some Spurs fans kind of like, really, man? Like, wh where is this coming <laughs> from? Where is this energy coming from? So it'll be interesting to see the Spurs next year. But I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing Keldon Johnson because I think he can grow a lot as a player. Definitely. No, he's a fun league pass watch. Any listeners who don't, check him out. A, a, genuinely a very fun player. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Herring, I guess the biggest NBA news over the weekend really had nothing to do with the NBA, and it was LeBron James uh, suiting up uh, for the Drew League. Imagine you're, you show up to the Drew League and you're playing a team with DeMar DeRozan and LeBron James. Kind of ridiculous. Uh, the pinstripe Drew League jersey on LeBron was pretty sick. Um, I, I will say I'm a little nostalgic for that time during the lockout when players were just showing up to random places to play basketball. There was a great uh, Dwayne Wade Jordan commercial about it um, where he's just it's just showing him playing in like different local Florida pickup leagues. And that was like a fun kind of barnstorming time. I mean, what, what did your... What did you make of LeBron showing up to the Drew League? Did you enjoy it? Um, in general, your feelings on stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I remember seeing the the tweet that McMenamin sent out. Because um, I didn't realize that uh, DeMar DeRozan had tweeted about this like the night before it happened. Mm -hmm. um, which it wasn't that cryptic uh, looking back on it. But I don't follow, you know, I don't really follow <laughs> right. NBA players on Twitter. Um, so I didn't see it and, you know, I don't think it got the buzz that obviously Dave McMiniman tweets that mm -hmm. Kyrie and LeBron are going to play one game after the other on Sunday. Um, like it wasn't like a, they might play. It wasn't like, you know, a, 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 it wasn't, what's the dude's name? Arye or whatever his name is that, you know, that has all the, the tweets about the Lakers and everybody that people oh, yeah. were <laughs> taking semi-serious. Well, not people that I care about but like some people were taking semi seriously like he was Woj. it wasn't like somebody random tweeted it it was like the guy that covers the Lakers for ESPN that's in the know um so based on that it was like it was definitive and I what my first thought was like man if I lived in LA or if I was like a basketball fan in LA with nothing to do, to do you know, I'm waiting on NBA to come back. I'm so desperate to watch NBA basketball that I'm still watching <laughs> Summer League, like, you know, on television every hour on the hour. Like, I would run to the Drew League to go watch LeBron play. And the other thought that came to mind for me is, like, you know, I rarely kind of bemoan living in the middle of the country. I love Chicago. I'm looking at the skyline and the lake right now. But the idea of being here as opposed to New York or being in LA where you've got really big summer runs like that where superstars just roll up and play let alone a superstar that plays in your own city like LeBron in LA like how cool would it be if Michael Jordan just rolled up to play somewhere in the summer in Chicago and, and just like 
with with a social media warning ahead of time yeah that it's gonna happen it, it made me kind of like damn like that has to be really cool if you're just a basketball fan so to me like did it matter to me a whole lot i i did tune in really briefly to watch you know bits and pieces of the the game that he was in um but i just kept thinking like culturally how cool that must have been for la and la fans um during you know again like during a downtime in the NBA where not much is happening, I'm never gonna say there's nothing to do sports wise. Like the WNBA has been amazing this year, mm-hmm. um, and I would always you know before summer league even I would suggest that people try to you know watch the WNBA because I think it's great. But but you know all that aside, um, I, it had to be a really cool moment for yeah. LA. I was a little bit surprised when I looked up later and saw that LeBron and DeRozan only won by two. Uh, I like people are posting LeBron's stat line too, and it's like forty two, like eight. Th- and I'm like, <laughs> my man took what he took like thirty six shots, didn't he? Yeah, yeah something crazy. Like, he missed. He was like two of thirteen from three. And, so he, and, he was making pretty much everything inside the arc. But I was like, my man, like uh, I, I watched you know the clips and the highlights and everything. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm mostly busting chops here. But it was, I was a little bit surprised. In all seriousness, that. They only won by two points, given that you had two NBA All Stars and like maybe the greatest player of all time on one team versus other teams. <laughs> yeah, but, and uh, Demar Derozan, who like some people thought should have won MVP. <laughs> right, right. Uh, some guy like hit LeBron with a spin move. That's probably got to be the best feeling of his life. Like he he, he dusted yeah. LeBron, then hit. I bragged for a while. Yeah, I mean, that was me. <laughs> um, no, it's really cool. I like I said, I, I miss kind of that era. Like it's it's fun when players show up. I wish more guys had showed up. Like of course, Kyrie mysteriously disappears. No one knows what his situation is. That played out very predictably. Uh, it would been it would have been fun if other guys showed up and were on the other team, etc. I'm with you. Like definitely cool moment for LA, especially considering. And this is going to kind of get into the my question here. We haven't talked about LeBron much on this pod this summer because it just kind of feels like I think the Lakers are a little bit relevant right now to the title conversation, crazy as that sounds. Um, LeBron just had a super strange trajectory here in Los Angeles. Like that first year, it was all about the Lakers-Clippers rivalry. That never materializes. Yeah. They obviously win the championship, but it's in the bubble. I mean, they never even had a parade. The last couple years have just been a mess. Uh, first round exit, not even making the playoffs. You know, he's going to have a year or two to, to add to whatever his L.A. legacy is going to be. But I think it's fair to say, considering his past success in his last two spots, it's been a little bit disappointing. Uh, I'm just curious because obviously, Braun, neither of us think he's leaving the Lakers before the season or anything like that. But I, I was just thinking, like thinking about him playing with DeMar DeRozan. Is there a is there a team you'd want to see LeBron on right now? Like, do you do you like him on the Lakers, or is there a team around the league that you're like this this situation makes more sense for him? This team would be more fun because it kind of feels like the previous LeBron team archetypes like don't really exist around the league right now. Hmm. You know, a team that I would have loved to have seen him on, not now. Uh, <laughs> But I'll explain why. Um, the Timberwolves would have been really mm. interesting. They've got enough young guys and young legs around him to where if he gets hurt, they're still good. Um, 
they're still talented. They can learn from him. Like, imagine, like, Anthony Edwards. Not Granted, he's, you know, I forget because of how big Anthony Edwards is that he's, like, not 6'7", he's 6'4". Dude, that um, dude is, like, a tank. Oh, he my God. Wa- like, during that playoff series with Memphis, I just kept looking at him because he looked like a linebacker compared to Yeah, everybody. exactly, he, he yes. He just built a certain way. And, obviously, he's, you know, like, the most athletic thing the league has ever seen. Maybe Gerald Green. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, just insane to, like, watch him out there. But, like, he could learn plenty from LeBron. And I kind of feel like... Um, IQ wise, like on court IQ is is where you kind of want to see him make a leap at some point. You know, Towns, different, completely different positions, but I'm sure there's a lot that he could learn from LeBron. There's a lot of young talent there. Um, there's that, but you know, the same way I asked before about if you had thrown, like, did Minnesota at least throw this crazy offer that they hmm. used for Land Gobert? Did they at least throw that Brooklyn's way to see if you know, Brooklyn would bite on a Durant conversation, and apparently they did. Apparently it wasn't enough. They wanted, you know, um, either Edwards or Towns, which wasn't going to happen. But my next question would be then, like, if, if we thought LeBron was even feasible, I don't think you would offer anywhere near, you know, the same thing you would offer for Durant, given that he has four years for LeBron. But if for some reason, like, there was trouble in literal paradise in Los Angeles with LeBron... Mm-hmm. And LeBron just wants to go win. He doesn't want to necessarily go join a situation like he doesn't want to necessarily do the Durant thing where he's joining like Golden State, mm-hmm. you know, when they're on the doorstep of a title. But a team that legitimately like might be a first or second round out without him. Obviously, Minnesota just lost in the first round. Like, could you make a deal work for? Could you have made a deal work for LeBron, mm. giving up a little bit less, you know, less than you did in the deal for Gobert? And L.A. would have to listen. They don't have a whole lot. They really don't have many assets at all. If LeBron wanted out, he's on a short-term contract, so you can't just hold on to him the way that Brooklyn can with Durant, mm-hmm. given how much time he's got left on steel. It would have been an interesting situation. Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, depending on how many defenders you had to give up, like, I think that's what's kind of lost as we talk about the picks for Minnesota. They gave up a lot of depth in that deal. They gave up mm-hmm. three of their top seven players or so. Yeah. And all guys that can really defend. Well, actually, no, I take the back. Beasley's not a great defender. But, you know, two, two guys that can really defend. The other guy can really score. Um, but if you could have given up some of that, you know, maybe you're giving up three or four picks and maybe one of those players instead. You know, I guess you would have had to do more to make the salaries match. It would have been interesting. Like, if LeBron can stay healthy with that team, they absolutely are a contender. Um, and they absolutely are taken more seriously as a contender. They absolutely become a team that all of a sudden is on television a lot, and people probably take notice of how good they are. They won damn near 50 games last year um, with that roster. If you add LeBron to that and he's healthy, um, not to mention maybe you don't feel the need to hold on to D'Angelo Russell anymore. If you've got LeBron there, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Maybe you can flip him for something. So it would be a really, really, really interesting team. Um, Would have been a really interesting team. I don't know where I would want to see Bron now. Um, in light of that, but I, I can't think of too many teams that would become more interesting than a team like the Timberwolves if you had LeBron to it. That's a really good pick. Uh, I like all your reasoning there. I do think LeBron would probably be sending tweets about Carl Towns within the first month <laughs> of playing with Fit him. in or fit out or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just some kind of – there would be a tweet pretty soon, I think. That's um, the first time Carl Towns like go, does a t- stream after fouling out in 13 <laughs> minutes. Um, 
<laughs> I think they're. Did you picked out a team that you thought he would just be really like a great fit on, or a team that you'd really like to see him with? So this team, it's like honestly, it's funny. I don't think it's a fit at all, and it's a team that I think it, maybe I wish he would have joined somehow when he was thinking about leaving Cleveland. I think the big kind of missing piece of LeBron's career that I think most other great players of his caliber have had is a truly kind of like transcendent coach-player relationship. We're seeing mm. it with we're seeing it with uh, Kerr and Steph, right? Obviously, we know Kobe and Phil, Mike and Phil had it. You know, LeBron, I don't really think he fully had it with Spolstra, even though Spo, I think, was that caliber of coach. I would have loved if, like, LeBron, instead of signing with the Lakers, had signed with the Spurs and said, you know what, I'm I'm riding it out with Popovich. He's the the coach LeBron has probably spoken about the most in terms of who he respects. Mm -hmm. I think he's probably the guy in the league who... LeBron would. Pro- I think when you're LeBron and you're you know so much about basketball and you're so good at it, I understand why it's probably difficult at this stage in your career to be <laughs> accepting direction from people. It's probably not easy. Um, he's seen more things on a basketball court than maybe anyone ever. And at the same time, I think Pop is maybe the one guy who can match him there. Uh, who can he can really meet him at his level of IQ? There's no question. And yeah, it just I think it would have been more satisfying in many ways to see him do something like that just because of how strange this whole Lakers thing has been and we're going weirdly I got we got to talk we're talking a lot about the Lakers today I'm not trying to make this a Lakers podcast certainly. There's a couple other guys who want to hit on that team but yeah, I I, I would have just there's no feel for like this LeBron Lakers thing. There's no there's nothing narratively satisfying about it, which I know is kind of like a silly mm-hmm. thing to say, but you know, at least no, in Miami, I you had, yeah, I at least you completely, yeah, yeah, in Miami, you had the whole arc of being hated um, to, as uh, Kanye West said, most hated to his champion Godflow. You know, just that that comeback from you know being so low to winning. Of course, in Cleveland, uh, you have him finally winning the ring, and yeah, with the Lakers, it's just been scattershot. Like, there's the fact that. He's kind of like no one talks about his team as a title contender is kind of sad to me, even if you hate LeBron. Like, can we talk about that, though, like for one second? Because I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm one thing I'm going to take slight issue with and disagreeing with one thing you said, but the other I'll fully agree with one. We talked about the Drew and I was saying, like, how culturally important that is to mm-hmm. a city like L.A. and, and the fans there. I will say, as annoying as it was narratively at the time where you you had Stephen A and you had other people saying, you know, the Lakers got to do this for Kobe. The Lakers got to do this for Kobe after Kobe passed away, after Kobe was killed in the helicopter accident. I will say that them winning a title there during a pandemic where, you know, all the major cities have been bludgeoned by the Mm -hmm. pandemic and and then COVID, um, winning a title after Kobe passes away in L.A., probably resonates on a level that maybe if we don't live there, if we're not yeah. there a lot, we True. can't fully really embrace that. But that's a thing. And like, I, I'm a big believer in like, even Alex Rodriguez with the Yankees, for instance, you can say that it was a bad contract. You could say that like, it wasn't a perfect marriage, but, and I think that there's a tendency, particularly when you're talking about 
superstardom in big markets. So I think you could even talk about Miami and LeBron with the Heat. That when you don't win as many titles as you're perceived to have maybe like you should have, it's somehow like, you know, obviously there's a perception that it was maybe not a failure, but it was not a big yeah, success. Right. Titles are forever, man. Like, For granted, sure. the bubble, people will, you know, kind of say that was just whatever. It was still a title. The Lakers had gone, what was it, six years without making the playoffs? Yeah. Um, which, you know, like, that doesn't happen. So it was a pretty big uh, cold spell that he snapped at a pretty heartbroken time for a lot of for Lakers sure fans. for sure so i'll give him that where i will fully agree with you is that um it's been scattershot as hell yeah exactly it's like the the, the ti- that's the thing is it's a title and then it's a first round exit and it's yeah and even before that i mean that they got him the year before they won the yeah. title and they missed the playoffs now granted you know they were going to make it until lebron got hurt mm-hmm. lonzo ball got hurt uh magic johnson was still running the team you know, they had, a roster, yeah. they had a roster that, like, everybody thought was shooting deficient. And, frankly, you know, my my uh, gripe with the roster was that it was like, this is a cute roster, but why are you playing LeBron with so many kids? Like, just trade mm-hmm. these guys now because you don't know how much longer LeBron is going to hold up yeah. as an elite player. So, you, like, you didn't trade him to, like, experiment with young guys like go get the talent that you need to win right now also you're putting a lot on lebron's shoulders physically um which is what we saw happen with with his really the first time he missed considerable time in a season so like they didn't have enough shooting on that roster then they went totally the other direction got an abundance of shooting won a championship and then you know the year after that uh no one's healthy, so that's whatever. But this past year, it was like they they went and got so old with the roster. Disaster. And then now it's like they're doing the same thing they did in year one and year two with Braun. It's like they went from shooting deficient to getting way more shooting than they needed. Now they went from being way too old to like they're, you know, they're signing people out of the crib, you know, out of the baby crib, which that's, that's why like their, their, their off season stuff has been fine. I'm, I'm mostly kidding when I say they're signing people out of the crib, they've been okay. But like to your question, I know this was on our outline earlier. Like, what would you make of their off season? We, I wouldn't talk about their off season unless it was the Lakers. And that's kind of where we're at with them is like so much of the attention they get is because LeBron is still there. And because they're a big market team, the same way we do with the Knicks and everybody else, we talk about them because, like, you kind of there's a perception that you have to. Right. What right. they do is more important, even though like the signings don't really merit that. Like, you, you can. Yeah. It's been a relatively cute. Like, okay, I like I like Thomas Bryant. Like most people do, but it's it's like the team's okay, and and yeah. like I don't think that that cuts it when you're talking about becoming a contender. So it's been really really scattershot to your point where it's like. I don't know what to make of Palinka because I kind of feel like they overshoot in one direction, one off season, then they overcorrect yeah. it. They correct it completely by going running away from it, and it doesn't give me confidence in the ability to make moves that are like solid moves because you're always just trying to correct what you did the year before. Um, yeah, and they they really overcorrected after that 21 season when everyone was hurt. They're mm-hmm. coming off a 70 day rest, and for some reason they felt the need to blow that up. Uh, 
just a huge inflection point, frankly, in NBA history. Yeah. Um, and now you have the Warriors winning again. And, you know, these the ripple effects of that decision are, are kind of crazy. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. And again, to stay on the Lakers, just because, again, it was the kind of the maybe the most... In an offseason filled with kind of wild drama, this is truly something I don't think I've ever seen before. <laughs> and that's Russell Westbrook and his agent parting ways. That happens all the time. But his agent giving a statement to ESPN that was like a basically like a full-blown press release. It was a confessional. Yeah, saying that him and Russell Westbrook are parting ways due to irreconcilable differences. First of all... Why are you using like divorce court language here? <laughs> what, what is going on? Like, oh, when when does it ever happen? Like, that's like when you. That is the only other time I ever see that phrase, is when I'm like, is this celebrity married? And I go on their Wikipedia, and it's just straight to the personal life section, skipping their <laughs> career, filmography, etc. I go straight to personal life, and it's like so and so married blank in a beautiful ceremony in December 2001. They filed for divorce on, you know, September 2003, citing irreconcilable <laughs> That's the only other context in which I see that phrase. You have Russell Westbrook's agent saying that about him. Then in the statement, he's like, Russ and I have disagreed on whether he should stay with the Lakers. And basically he was like, hey, man, teams keep having to give up good stuff to get you. Stop messing it up was the subtext mm-hmm. of the statement. Chris, do you remember anything like this? Uh, what was kind of your reaction to this statement from Westbrook's no. now former agent? I mean, this dude said more, and I don't pay 
full attention. What's the guy's name from talking about LA athletes again? Is it Freeman that plays for Freddie the Freeman? That's right. That's right. So they just had that whole thing with him and his agent where more or less Freeman fired him because essentially he wanted, he only wanted to end up with the Braves. He claimed his agent didn't tell him that the Braves yeah. had made an additional offer and essentially took an offer that was more or less the same or maybe even worse than what the Braves offered um, because he felt like he his client should leave and go somewhere else. Whatever. Uh, Freddie Freeman's yeah. old agent, don't sue us. We are just talking about what maybe. Yeah, I, and yeah. May, I hope I'm even getting the parameters yeah, of this right. Yeah. But, but, but it was something weird. That, he wanted to go back to the Braves. Yeah, whatever. And, and he was like, he's been like extremely emotional about it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and over the course of the season, which I think is even maybe rubbing some Dodgers fans the wrong way. But anyway, um, the only reason I bring that up is because his agent, after Freddie Freeman kind of laid out the reasoning for everything he was doing, his agent felt the need to respond. I get yeah. that because you've been kind of thrown under the bus. You've been fired. You've been called out. This, if it was, if it was mutual or even if the agent is the one to say, like, I'm out, you don't have to say anything. Nope. Um, and so not to not only to say something – but for it to be, again, like of a confessional quality, laying out exactly why you're leaving. Um, and like the fact that you basically put exactly what Russell Westbrook's mindset, or at least your perception of his mindset is out for the whole world to see, which is that Russ only wants to be traded at this point. And that you're telling him that's the wrong tack here. Um is like wild business. And I, you know, I, it's only one side of the story. Um, I don't feel like Russ gets that introspective very often. I highly doubt he will get that way about this either. But if the agent's side is to be believed here, um, it, I'm not going to say, I'm not getting, I mean, I am going to use it to say that I'm not using it delusional, but it, I mean, Russ, that that probably is his best move is to stay put, to have a coach that oh. is talking you up this way. Because from an agent's perspective, like I understand what his agent was saying, which is that you're going to get traded for peanuts and it's embarrassing and it hurts your value down the line more so than it would if you were to just play this last year out, play better, play in a situation where you feel wanted, where you get to rebuild your name in your hometown alongside great other talent that might be healthier than they were last year and might not put as much onus on you to play like a superstar. That was what his message seemed to be saying in that comment. You can't even call it a comment because it was like a letter. but It was a straight-up letter. I was blown away by how much was in that letter. But all I'm saying is that, like, we know Russ wouldn't yield much in a trade uh, and that the Lakers would have to give up something to get off of his deal. So that's what his agent was telling Russ. And Russ just didn't seem to want to hear it based on the way that letter read. But that's the truth. And I, like, I, I understand that you have to be in a different mindset than I can really fathom to be a player at his level where you just still think you're great, even if you're not performing that way. 
But the disconnect between, the, I mean, I kind of understand why they might have needed to part ways if he feels that way and his agent feels the way that he expressed in the letter, um, where he just like wants out at all costs, even if those costs don't make sense. Yeah. And that's what his agent was essentially saying. Yeah, I, I will say I do have sympathy for Russ in this regard, where if he's been in trade rumors for this entire summer, which he has been, he's yeah. basically been in trade rumors since the trade deadline. Just then I understand why he, yeah, that he's like, hey, man, get me out of here. Like, you don't want me here? Fine. Like, you know, I can help another team. I, it's interesting that you bring up that you think the situation makes sense for him because that was kind of my question coming out of this, which, yes, we agree, like, wild, out-of-pocket statement, um, kind of hilarious, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the, the mess, unfortunately, is a little funny. <laughs> um, it's just so shocking and unexpected. <laughs> but I, I was going to ask you if there's a because I don't know you wrote about this when you wrote about Blake Griffin um, it was kind of one of your first pieces for SI first pieces for SI but just kind of guys who turn into very different players in their early 30s and you wrote about it when the Lakers traded for Russ that they've ne- there's you know kind of in the history of big threes you don't really have this kind of guy as your third best player mm-hmm so maybe you think the best situation for him is the Lakers. I'm just curious if you've given any thought to what – is there a role that he should even be playing at this point in his career? I remember at one point we were saying bring Russ off the bench. Um, but yeah. even that, I'm like, is that was that what makes the most sense? What, what do you think is the role he should have on a basketball team? Well, I mean, that is the role. Like, I think absolutely is the role. Um I think the challenge is that like Russ has no interest in playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the way, I mean, I think the saga with his agent shows he still feels like, and, and maybe it is just as basic as you laid it out. Maybe it's just that, like you said, in fairness, he has been in trade rumors since mm-hmm. early in his Lakers tenure. Um, and so maybe it is just, I've had enough of this, like just find somewhere else for me to play if you don't really want me here. But the other side of it is that we've had this question about Carmelo before. We have this question about Russ. Like, what are you willing to kind of sacrifice to win? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all had questions out of the gate when he went to the Lakers about if he needs the ball as much as Russ always needs the ball, what does that mean for LeBron? And also, you know, like, do you want Russ to have the ball that much anyway? Um so coming off the bench would at least allow him like an opportunity to go against second units, mm-hmm. would allow him the opportunity to be the guy in pick and rolls, uh, would allow him to be like the one guy that you can play at one time that can't shoot, mm-hmm. particularly at a time where Anthony Davis has regressed so badly from three. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there is a better fit for him. I don't think it's part of, you know, like being a guy that has a usage rate as high as Russ's usage rate for a guy that really can't shoot. Um, to what I think you were getting at before, I think that there would have been perfect fits for him, or not perfect, but better fits for him. But I think that those fits would be teams that basically make a decision that they're not trying to win right now Mm. and that they don't have a a high-level young point guard. Um, So it's interesting from that standpoint because there are people that question, you know, for a while before Brunson and everything, should the Knicks take somebody? Right, right. They've never really had a you know, a point guard in his prime that was anywhere near top level. Um, You know, Russ is not at his prime. He's not top level anymore. But, you know, like, should you take one year of him on to get assets? Yeah. Um, 
And if you need a ball handler anyway, better than like an Alfred Payton or someone like that, like, could you see it? Um, but the thing is, I think you look around the league and you've got like the Kings and you've got the Pacers and you've got, you know, the Magic. They all have point guards. Um, they all have pretty decent young point guards that they're already trying to hand the reins over to or already have done that with. Hell, the Kings had two of them and, you know, traded Halliburton. I still don't know exactly why they did, but they traded Halliburton. Um, you don't have that many teams that don't have a guy. Um, even the Knicks now have Brunson. So I don't know that there's really a perfect fit for him out there. Um, and I think that's part of the reason that we're looking at the situation we're looking at, which is just that there's not a market for him at all, even for teams that would be happy tanking and would be okay with giving away one year of that to you know better their draft pick. You would, you would need a team that had its own draft pick that was okay with losing, that you know could maybe look at Russ as a potential rehab project, but probably not. They would just more be getting assets, and there aren't many teams like that. Despite what you were saying earlier about how many teams are going to be looking to lose, yeah, you don't have that many. Like you know, and people were like, "Oh, how great would it be if Russ, if uh, if KD went back to Oklahoma City?" Okay, but you wouldn't do that with Russ when they have Shane. Yeah. You know, like there's you're just not going to do that, and. It's bad business sometimes when you can't go back home. Like, Russ yeah. is beloved in Oklahoma City, but, like, there's no spot for him there. Uh, even though they're trying to lose, like, Josh Giddy and all these other guys are not going to have the ball in their hands if Russ is there. Yeah. Unless you're bringing him off the bench in OKC, which, good luck bringing Russ off the bench for, like, a 15-18 win team. Yeah. Uh, see how that goes over. So, I just think his ego, you know, is is pretty big considering... He hasn't produced to have. He hasn't produced to the point where his ego should be that big. Not efficiently, at least. I know. I, I, even this morning, I think Clutch Points had a tweet like the only guys in the league that average seventeen seven and oh, seven man. are this dude, this dude, this dude, like Luca and Russ. And it's like, yeah, but like yeah. he also had like a negative offensive blocks plus minus for the yeah. maybe the second time in his career. The first time was his rookie year. So like let's let's be all the way real about it. it, it he's he's rough, he's rough right now, yeah. and um, maybe he can play his way out of it. Maybe a change of scenery, maybe a change in role, maybe just those two main guys with the Lakers being healthy. But I don't think it's likely at this point. I think everybody knows it. I I need to like make you sit down and watch one of those videos where it's like a guy talking seriously at the screen. He's like, he's like, you don't know ball. Like Russell Westbrook got the midi got, the, you know, and it's like just one of those where they go on a rant yeah. about how, and it's like explosive. Like you telling me Russ, uh, and you just need to watch, make you watch one of those videos. And so then why were they, I mean, I, I know they were injured, but like, so then the question becomes like, okay, so then when they were healthy, why were they bad? Like, yeah. And you can point to other stuff. It's not to say that it was yeah. just Russ. That's All not him. Fair. They, were, they had a lot of issues, for sure. They had a ton of issues. And, like, you know, I've obviously said that the management and the, you know, the signings and trades that they made have been bad. But Russ was a big part of that. Yeah. And, like, we can talk about Vogel as being part of it, too. But Vogel was shown the door. Yeah. And it, it's very clear, like, if you had a decision of whether to show Russ the door or not, you would have shown him the door, too. There are 47 million reasons you can't just do that, though. And, uh, you know, but it, again, it was probably a mistake to bring them in in the first place, yeah. which I think a lot of us saw. They were yeah. among all of our favorites to be in contention for a title until they made that trade. And it was like, what the yeah. hell? So, um, you know, it's not to hate. I, I don't know. It just feels like hating on Russ, but it's not. 
Like yeah. he's useful. I just don't think he's useful with that team in the role that For they sure. have him in. Definitely. I know I'm dumping a lot of players on the Spurs today, but hey, they just traded their point guard <laughs> again. If there's anyone who I think can get the respect of players, it's Pop. And for the Spurs, it's kind of like they have the cap space. I feel like if they were able to take on some assets for Russ, I don't know what the Lakers would want back. I don't think they could get Keldon Johnson. No, they would not. It, it would it would be a dump. But, you know, the Spurs could take him on. And worst case, they could buy him out if it didn't go well. Uh, but it would be interesting. Maybe that's a place where he could go. The team's not going to win a ton. They're not going to be completely awful. And he can rehabilitate his image to an extent. I don't know. I wonder to it's, some extent, too, whether like a market like that would be more yeah. warm toward him, even just for a year. Like, exactly. I, he played in Oklahoma City. San Antonio I was going to say, yeah. From that, yeah. you, know, um, you know, from how small that is and everything. It's a fan base that loves its players. Yeah. Um, you know, that will, you will not deal with. The, I mean, and it's not. I'm not trying to take shots at Lakers fans either, but like the stuff that Russ was saying, assuming that stuff was true, death threats, mm-hmm. like ugly stuff on social media, his wife feeling like she can't bring the, you know, the kids to games or whatever else, or hearing stuff. I don't think you're dealing with that there. Yeah. Especially if the expectation is to lose anyway. Um, it's just a different level of pressure, and not everybody can go back home, uh, you know, and 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 love that experience. I've I've talked to plenty of players. I've written stories about that before that like what did LeBron start by going back to Cleveland in 2014? Yeah. And I talked to Jeff Teague when he went back to, you know, when he went to the Pacers. I talked to Joakim Noah when he went to the Knicks. I went to, you know, I talked to Derek Rose about what it was like to play here. And those guys mm-hmm. were stressed. And I remember yeah. Teague in particular. And I, I, I think I relayed this on Zach Lowe's podcast one time talking to him and I asked Jeff Teague about um, going to Indiana and and like he seemed miserable and he didn't say that but just the look on his face when I even asked the question I, it was a lighthearted story mm. about you know why you choose to go back home and what it's like to go back home and the first thing he was telling me about was just like how his folks were essentially making arrangements for him to give tickets to people that he's never like met heard of right and just like all these people that want things and this this sounds like moms with indian weddings by the way my mom is already <laughs> just prepared a list of aunties who are going to the wedding that hey, i've never man. that i met once when i was two months old and she's yeah. like yep you know it's the same across <laughs> cultures as far as yeah. just like having demands on your time and on your on your on anything that you feel yeah. like you should have ownership of but he was miserable and i remember thinking when he spoke to me about it, just like, I don't think this dude is going to be back here next year. And he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he went to the, he signed with the Timberwolves after that. So like, it just, it's not always a pleasant experience. And sure. When you're w- Russell Westbrook, you probably feel like that's going to go much differently, but Russell Westbrook is one of the most confident athletes, like overly confident athletes there is. And just always a Supreme. I mean, you've got to be of Supreme belief in yourself to, one of those years where Durant was about to win the scoring title, like Russell Westbrook was taking more shots per game than like <laughs> a young, relatively prime Kevin Durant. Like you have to be confident to do that as a point guard um, to be able to make some of the mistakes that Russ even makes and the, the, the risks that he takes. He's really confident, but it, it, it hasn't gone well. So I, I, I hear you. I feel you on that. And they fit the bill from the standpoint of yeah. having gotten rid of a star point guard 
they obviously have the cap space to take on Russ and you know five Russ sized contracts probably. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't see it happening. But yeah. it, it would be interesting. It'd be interesting yeah. for Pop for sure. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Well, let's complete the trifecta on Lakers Star because we got this email from Curtis. First of all, shout out to the emailers. Listen, it's the off-season. What do you guys want us to talk about on the show? Please keep the emails coming openfloormail at gmail.com they finally gave me the keys to the mailbox chris it's <laughs> awesome i love going through all the emails myself the tyranny Too of good. the pina regime has finally come to an end we we're we're pulling down the pina statue outside the si offices it's been it's been torn down and people are celebrating so please keep the emails coming openfloormail at gmail.com we got this email from curtis curtis says big fan from new zealand however Saying that Rudy Gobert, potentially Cat, among others, could be the best player on a championship team, and Anthony Davis could not, seems, as Stephen A. Smith would say, blasphemous in all caps. He says the 2020 Lakers, Anthony Davis is arguably their best player, nearly won final MVP, he probably should have. His defense in the playoffs is better than Gobert's, and that's before you start on offense, where only screen assists is where you could say Gobert is better yeah. at. <laughs> wish I wish I had a great question, but I don't. Love the show and can't believe the pod Pina has run away after this take. I agree, Pina is an absolute coward. I hope he does not pass that trade on uh, to his children. Oh, uh, Chris, Pina and I had a great conversation last week about uh, who we think could be the worst best player on a championship team. Like, 
which player in the league, like how far low down the list do you have to go before you'd say, yeah, this guy could be the best player on a championship team? Pina said Gobert, which really threw me off, and it he made an interesting case for it. We're not going to get into that question because it, it very quickly starts to break your brain. Yeah. Um, but I'll just ask you this. Do you think Anthony Davis can still be the best player on a championship team? Because Pina and I both said no last week. Yeah, and look, I'm I think I'm gonna kind of jump on that bandwagon too that mm-hmm. I not right now um yeah. I mean the best I could kind of come up with in my head is like if he's playing with someone who's as good as he is mm-hmm. um who's also healthier than he is then yeah so it doesn't mean like he could he could be the most talented player on a championship team mm-hmm. absolutely but with his health stuff I don't trust that he could lead a team there the regression in shooting is concerning um, and I also think like he fundamentally needs someone to get him the ball. Yeah. Too. Um, so whether that means that that person has to be better than him, they just have to be really, really good. I, I, I don't think that, I mean, he was as dominant really as he's been when he, in those new Orleans years mm-hmm. and he had a pretty decent point guard during those years. Um, so, you know, I, he needed more than he had on that team, but I, he was not particularly close to getting a championship until that year with Braun. So I, 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 I just don't see it. But it, I think it's it's not that he's not talented enough or good enough. I think it's that I just don't trust that he'd be healthy enough. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and so if he, you know, maybe it's getting to a different team. Maybe it's a different mm-hmm. training staff. Maybe it's a different offseason regimen for him. I'm not sure. But I, it feels crazy to say that because I remember when Anthony Davis – when LeBron was kind of coming out of that MVP window where he was winning, mm-hmm. he won. At, how many did he win with Miami? Two? Did he win two MVPs? That's right, him? yeah. Um, so, like, coming out of that and getting into, I would say, you know, 2015, 2016 on, I remember there was one year where I was like, Anthony Davis will absolutely win MVP next year. Well, He's he had that one year when, Bo- when Boogie got hurt. Down the stretch, he had to play center. Yep. And the Pelicans were incredible to watch. Right. And so I just kind of thought dude was next. And the, the, like he had a chokehold on the league for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. And even back then, he still had nicks and dings and bruises where, you know, you'd have scares. But I feel like his career was mostly scares up mm-hmm. until about two years ago. And now you started to see him miss real solid chunks of the season. Um, even that one year, that last year was in New Orleans, I don't think he was fundamentally like that hurt. Um, he missed a lot of games, but I think it was because they basically were like, we're tanking anyway. Right. We're, we, we're going to trade him in off season yep. anyway. So like, let's not play him. And he, he'd been so vocal kind of about wanting to be out of there that I think they just didn't want to roll him out. Uh, it, it was, it was, I'm sure fans was were frustrated were, with them too. Remember they were playing him, but then he was sitting fourth quarters because yeah. he said he still wanted to play. It was totally straight so they just sat him at that point so like you know if you look at the games he missed that year it might look like he was injured a lot i don't think that's what it was i just think it was like they're gonna move him so it's really been i think the perception of his injuries is way bigger than how injuries actually been but the last two years it's been a very real perception it's been a real thing um so he could always be healthier if he's healthier and he's fully healthy and he improves even a little bit with the jump shot from three, then yeah, he can be. But like we just haven't seen it in a while. And even when we did see it on a championship team, LeBron was there. 
So I'm not right. completely convinced yet between his health and between the fact that when he did win a championship, he had like maybe one of the two greatest players of all time on his team. Yeah. So I don't I don't quite buy it yet. Yeah. Which gives me all sorts of questions about like you said, how how bad can you be and still be the best player on a yeah. battling team? It's a, it's a tough question, and I it's I would a have very to be tough question about something like that, right? Because it's like you could be Gobert if you had like four players who are slightly worse than you, but they all you had all four of them. And I will say that Anthony Davis won. I'm with you. I think you could argue that he was the best player in their 2020 championship run. But I wrote about this when I wrote an Anthony Davis story coming out of that finals. Was the the kind of key to that success was the the symbiotic relationship that him and LeBron had. Yes. Where he he was he was allowed to be that type of player because as you said, he was playing with LeBron James. Like right. it's a lot it's it's kind of easier to be the best player or put up those numbers or get those looks when LeBron is Exactly. Realistically, you might be the quote unquote best player, but were you most responsible? Not really, because the level of responsibility and attention mm-hmm. that LeBron has and draws is what allows you to play the way he played. Um, it is also crazy to think now, like, yeah, he had Drew Holiday, who's fantastic, like prime Drew Holiday mm-hmm. on his team, and they were never really able to do much in the playoffs. If you switched AD and Giannis right now, I think the Bucks would be really good. I don't think they'd be anywhere near as good as they are. Like, mm-hmm. the we don't, we need to do an episode, I think, you and I, about the Bucks because – I don't know that I ultimately love their offseason. I think some teams in the East have gotten a lot better. It was a really quiet offseason for them. Yeah. They didn't really take many swings at all. But, yeah, like if you put AD on that team and took off Giannis, like I don't think they're doing anywhere near as much um, as what they're doing now. So I'm sorry, Curtis. I I think that right now AD is a a huge beneficiary of having gotten to play with LeBron because – yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing it either. I'm with you. the The fact that the shot has not been as good as it was uh, since the bubble and the injuries, and I like, I might be. I think he might be slipping in our top 100 to a considerable degree. Oh, I mean, sure. like, I don't know how you could put him above like Jimmy Butler. I, I like. I, it's. I mean, I know we're projecting forward a little bit with that list, but yeah, this is kind of a. A weirdly huge season for AD. How I think. old is Anthony Davis now? Because I can't like I feel like it's dog years with him because you know <laughs> right. It feels Anthony like he's been Davis in the league forever. Will turn thirty in March. Wow! So this, this his mean, next playoffs is going to be his age thirty playoffs. So wow. like I mean that that's what we're talking about here. Is like it's you know for a long time he was so young and that's where I'm saying like and it, it, it it's too drastic to say it because he hasn't had like career altering injuries necessarily but just the way grant hill late in his career kind of was able to get his health straight Mm -hmm. i would love i mean obviously i would love for everybody to be healthy but i would love for anthony davis to just i don't know how it happens but steph went through it early in his career yeah where he was just constantly battling you know ankle stuff i would love for him to kind of have that stretch that steph has had most Mm -hmm. for the most part that grant hill had toward the end of his career where he's not injury prone um because i do feel like that is a lot of what holds back because i mean he when he was healthy enough to play this year at times you know for stretches yeah. like, he was really good like you he, i mean he came back and had a couple of big games yeah absolutely you know so I, I i do agree with that part from curtis but i there is something to be said for like when you can only do that for 40 maybe 50 games a year what are we really talking about here when you're playing yeah. with a guy that's 30 
37 and 38, whatever. And it's also going to miss a lot of games. We're not used to LeBron missing a lot of games, but it's just probably a reality of where he is age-wise, not to mention a team that's got Russell Westbrook too. So um, I hope AD can, you know, just kind of have a a healthy season, a healthy rest of his career because, you know, we, we I, I think we're taking for granted now the guys can play till they're 37, 38. But uh, we, we've also seen Blake Griffin. We've also seen Russ just kind of diminish very quickly. And Anthony Davis is almost 30. So uh, I hope I hope he has got another couple really good years left in him where he's just healthy. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Well, Chris, I was not anticipating us having had this much to say. Somehow we're, we're really kind of run up uh, most of our typical podcast time here, uh, which I'm just impressed. I'm just impressed. It's the doldrums of the offseason, but here we are just chopping it up, which is to say I was hoping to spend a little bit more time on this very last topic. Let's do it. We got a, cup, we got a few emails about things people want us to talk about. Uh, shout out to Don, by the way, Don, we will get to your email soon. It was a great email. I promise I saw it. We will get to it. Chris asked us if we could talk about Top Gun Maverick, which I'm pretty confident you have not seen. I have not seen it. Oh, come on. I've never seen the original Top Gun, which means it has to be one of the biggest movies I've ne- I've also never seen Jaws. And I'm also <laughs> someone who I used to really call myself like a movie aficionado i you know i watch movies from the 30s and 40s and <laughs> black and white from the 30s and 40s why dude yeah man because because film was made differently back then but you had some good stuff <laughs> and some kubrick in there Usually like thir- I, I really 39 like, steps some hitchcock i guess yes, I, I was sitting i was watching alfred hitchcock presents yesterday 
Like there we the, go. the short ones that are only twenty bro, minutes long. Hitchcock Hitchcock has bangers, bro. He does. He would have he would have gotten extremely canceled by the Me Too movement. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this is the who was it earlier in the week? Neo was like, Hey man, like I don't, <laughs> I still I don't rock R. with Kelly. R. Kelly, but like I listen to his music. So I, I really don't listen to R. Kelly anymore, but I do I mean Hitchcock was really, really good at filmmaking. He was a creeper, but uh but so those movies I, I watch a lot of older stuff. I've never watched Top Gun. Um, I have not seen Top Gun Maverick. I should because Anthony Edwards uh, is in the He's original in Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah. I'm a huge ER fan, a huge Anthony Edwards okay. fan. So I should watch it. I know he's not the star of the film, but I know he's got a big role in the original. He does. He's was a very Maverick important good? role. Top Gun Maverick was fantastic. Okay. I took a friend who, who said after the movie I wanted to love it, ironically, but I actually just loved it. It's very emotional, like genuinely a beautiful movie. It's also, the movie is about how Tom Cruise is the only person still making movies. Like that's, like it, the 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 <laughs> subtext of the movie is very clear. Like there's a point where like Tom Cruise is walking out of a room and a guy's like, no one really does this anymore. And it's like, <laughs> it's just like, it's really ridiculous. But so sorry, Chris, we'll have to save the Top Gun Maverick talk for another time. But shout out to Niv. Who hit us up? Well, he hit. He addressed this email only to Michael, which I think is kind of hmm. messed up. I guess it was a follow up <laughs> to original email that he addressed to all of us. But he goes, "Michael, just finished listening to the most recent episode. Congrats to you and your wife on the new baby, which may or may not have already arrived." Niv, we will definitely pass along your message to Pina. Um, and he wants to know. First of all, he said he wanted to hear about my Mexico City trip. Thank you, Niv. Unfortunately, I think that window is passed. But he said, please consider sending in some more book suggestions. He's asking for some okay. book suggestions because of the offseason. Chris, listen, we got a New York Times bestselling author on the show. Yeah. I don't know why Pina and I I don't know why Pina and I are out here giving the book suggestions. So, Chris, I just want to see if there's anything you've been reading recently or lately or anything that you'd like to share uh, with the Open Floor Globe sure. that, that could be a good offseason read. I'm sitting here looking at a full bookshelf. I've I've read more in the last like two, three years than I've read before. I'm not the most voracious reader. Mm, nor am I. Um, nor Pina's really Pina's great reading. about it. He's yeah. reading. Him and then my friend Miran Fader like puts me to shame. She reads like seven hundred books a year. Oh um, my God. But I I uh I I had to read a lot just because I was really insecure about my own book writing process. (laughs) And I was like, maybe I should read, you know, before I try to write one myself. So I spent a lot of time reading other books to try to, you know, get a better grasp of pacing and, you know, reveals and stuff like that. So um, I really enjoyed Not a Game by Kent Babb, uh, which is about Allen Iverson, uh, Mm -hmm. a really good one. He also has a a book, I think it's called Across the River, that I want to read about a, a high school football team that just kind of has so much, the players have so much stuff to deal with off the field. Um, it's kind of amazing that they're able to accomplish what they do on the field, given how much they've got off the field. Um, if people haven't read it already, a book that's in a similar vein to mine about the Knicks, uh, which is called Blood in the Garden, uh, Three Ring Circus was fantastic by Jeff Perlman about mm. the Kobe, Shaq, Phil era Lakers and um, their, their three titles that they won. He's also got a book coming out on Bo Jackson uh, that I have read a huge chunk of mm. already that will come out later this fall. And, and he, of course, really, wrote really Winning good. Time, which 
the yeah. Showtime show. Yeah. Right, right, right. So he wrote Showtime, uh, that the winning time is based on, which is right, you know, in the same vein again, just a you know, a mm. championship era team. Um what else would I suggest? Uh trying to think I'm, I'm thinking about sports stuff um can i throw out have you heard of the book uh chaos by tom o'neill no what's that i don't about? know that i've i can't <laughs> i don't know that i've mentioned this book on the podcast yet it's very hard for me to talk about it without sounding like a full-on conspiracy theorist so i i'm i'm gonna do my best to give you like the soft pitch of this book but it's the full title let me pull it up um, the full title is, uh, oh God, I've somehow ended up searching Chase Bank instead of the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you look called, up, got, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. All right. It's called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History oh, of the gosh. 60s. And Ooh. just to give you an idea of this, Tom O'Neill, I, I need to reach out to him because he's a, a, clearly a fantastic reporter. Uh, Tom O'Neill is a journalist, and he gets assigned in the late 90s. He gets assigned a story for Premier Magazine um, about the Manson murders. Like, do something for the upcoming anniversary of the Manson murders. He never files the story. Instead, for the next 20 years, he's researching this book. Because as he as he starts reporting, he starts uncovering more and more things. And it's just one of the most well-reported... Uh, most interesting books I've ever read. It, again, the title, it's all about kind of the CIA and the federal government's kind of involvement and knowledge with regards to Charles Manson's activities in the 60s. And it's it's fascinating. Again, I don't want to sound like a straight up conspiracy theorist. I promise I'm not. But this is, this is a book based entirely on facts uh, and incredible reporting, uh, testimony from people who are involved with the cases etc um it's genuinely genuinely fascinating that that is a really man it, I, I'm, I'm thinking about how chilling that probably is to read in some ways if it really heavily involves charles manson mm-hmm. stuff i've got a couple others there's one called franchise that is um that i've started that's mm-hmm. about just mcdonald's's role in the black community um, oh, wow! Different, um, and I have very strong feelings about some of that, just as it relates to food deserts, um, yes, and and stuff like that, and just kind of what sorts of healthy options communities have to begin with. So there's that. There's another one that I've started reading called. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Uh, yeah, the Three Mothers, which is about um, Malcolm X's mother, James Baldwin's mother, and Martin Luther King, and kind of like wow. how these men were kind of molded is is, is children mm-hmm. by really strong black mothers um so there's that i mean there's there's always interesting stuff outside of the, mm-hmm. the sports world but there's so many good sports ones like um you know again I, I think mostly about the ones that are in the vein of what i did but your own whitesman did a great one um on the sixers uh which is called tanking to the top which i think came out maybe two years ago um and there's more stuff on the way that, that's yeah. really good did but you I, did you ever read? I know we're we're a few years apart in age. Did you ever read Matt Christopher books growing up? Mm-mm. This is this is probably like something that only really hit the white suburbs. If I had to be honest, 
<laughs> um, let me. Well, I mean, I grew up in one that was pretty okay. diverse, but I so I've heard. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've okay, I've okay. Seen these books and never read them. Yes, but I know. Right, well, and I feel like when I went to the store, <laughs> these books were always on sale. Yeah, we have. If you're <laughs> looking for magic. sports books, <laughs> I know all these books just having looked at them, yeah, but yeah. I've never read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> did you read these? Um, I did, dude. I was like, those are like some of my earliest. Uh, some definitely some of the first books I read. I was like, they wrote books about my suburb was definitely white enough to have had all these books on mm, the shelf. Okay. I never read them, but I Flossmore, Illinois, definitely had these books on the shelf. There we go. Yes. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, shout out to Matt Christopher the Goat. I don't even know if that's that person's real name. If someone else is writing under them as a pseudonym now, which I feel like happens a lot, but. Yeah, I was steady, steady reading those Matt Christopher books, that, The Hardy Boys. I bet The Hardy Boys is, is like, if I read it now, I'd probably still be pretty good. Probably. You'd probably enjoy yeah. it still. I feel like yeah. most of the stuff that I enjoyed as a kid, now that I see, like, movie adaptations and stuff, I still enjoy it as a full-blown adult. Like, especially my nephew um, called me. He he was he watched Willy Wonka for the first time, oh, and my lit. man's mind was blown. Uh, <laughs> and he wanted to have like a full on conversation about whether there was like a place that actually existed. Of course, of Indian course. Like, I wonder why that's what his concern is here. He's just a hungry boy, but uh, yeah. But but I but my my imagination, you know, is still yeah. really big for you know a thirty five year old. Yeah. So I still rock with stuff like that. There we go. If you didn't, if you read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and didn't immediately think like you were gonna get picked one day, you you're doing it wrong. You you did it wrong. Exactly. Like, exactly. Um, all right, Chris. Well, I think that will do it for this episode of Open Floor. Um, once again, thank you for taking part in this uh, swift, sudden, necessary regime change. Um, things are gonna get a lot, a lot more fun around here. A lot more anti-Boston. Uh, at the same time, we wish Pino well. This is a very big week for him. Yeah, I'm so uh, excited thank for him. Going to be crazy, man. Thank you for all your emails. Please keep the emails coming. We promise we need them. We're looking forward to getting to all your emails this offseason, so keep them coming. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Uh, Chris and I will talk to you guys soon. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.